Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. This morning, we are going to continue in a series that we've been in for a few weeks now. Um, We're taking some time to discuss some pivotal conversations that we see occurring in the very first Christmas story. We've taken the time to look at a conversation between Mary, that's Jesus' mom, and the angel from heaven, Gabriel. We've also looked at the conversation that Mary had with her cousin Elizabeth. You remember the one when Mary walks in the room and just the mere voice of Mary caused John the Baptist inside the belly of Elizabeth, caused him to leap. Remember that last week? Today I want to move into a, a conversation that we really don't hear the conversation, but we see the impact of the conversation. I would encourage you today to take some time to really allow the the Christmas story, the message in the Christmas story to radiate in your life. Allow it to become alive inside of you. Because I believe that one of the worst things that we can do as a believer is to think that we know the story. Have you ever been guilty of that? You're, you're scrolling through the Bible, you're reading through the Bible, and you get to a, a particular passage, and you're like, oh, I know that story really, really well. So you kind of skim over it, or you just bypass it altogether because you know what the story has to say. I feel that sometimes we do that with a Christmas story, and and I believe there is so much rich material in there that if we'll just take the time and allow God to speak to us, it will, in fact, become alive inside of us. The conversation that we see occurring this morning, like every one that has occurred prior to, is vital for us to grasp. You see, I believe that every word in the Bible is applicable to our lives. Some in society would tell you today, well, just kind of pick and choose what you like, kind of look at what feels good to you or look at what you want to hold on to and read that and the parts that you don't like or even the parts you don't understand, bypass that and everything will be okay. But I believe that every word in God's word is applicable to our life. I don't believe there's a single word that God said, you know what, I could have left that out. I was listening online just yesterday, and there's a group of individuals that are trying to change part of the Bible, and they were saying, you know, we don't really believe that Jesus was was meaning to say that when he said that, so we're going to change the terminology. I believe that we need to take God's word for God's word. We need to compare God's Word to God's Word. We need to read God's Word and allow God's Word to to dig deep inside of our life. We need to allow that truth to radiate inside of us. The Bible says, hide His Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. Allow it to be a, a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. Allow it to radiate inside of you. I believe that every story, every word, every message is vitally important for our lives even today even the very small conversations i would encourage you this morning listen very carefully the story that we're going to talk about today 
isn't necessarily the story, but the, the results thereof that we see occurring in the Bible. In fact, take a look at Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Luke chapter 2 is oftentimes referred to as the, the story, the narrative of Christ's birth. And here we see this happening. It says, Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. That's who? Jesus. Mary gave birth to Jesus. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room. There wasn't any room for them in the inn. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, there's no room. Look at the person on the other side and say, it's an unwelcomed Christmas. That's what I've titled this morning's message, the unwelcomed Christmas. The part of this conversation that I want to dive into is not the location. You see, there are many ideas, many thoughts behind what that manger scene looked like. What I want to process through this morning is what happened after the conversation. Mary and Joseph apparently had a conversation with a relative, a, a friend, the innkeeper, and because of all the craziness in the little town of Bethlehem, there was no room for them. There wasn't a place for them to stay in the typical guest house or in the inn. They simply were set aside. They were pushed off. They were forced to stay in the stable area. I remember the story of a, a mom and a, a little boy. A little boy maybe four years old. Mom had been holding his hand and they'd been walking down the strip mall and they were shopping from door to door and, and building to building and, and store to store and little guy was standing right beside her. But how many of you women know that sometimes when you begin shopping you get preoccupied? The little guy was curious, as most little guys are, and he began to look at everything around him, and be, finally this grabbed his attention, and he, he scurried over this direction, and mom realized suddenly that little Johnny was no longer holding on to her hand. She began to retrace her steps, looking all around for little Johnny. Where could he have gone? And there she found him, his nose pressed up against a frosty window of the department store. He was gazing at a manger scene. Hearing his mom's voice, the hysterical cry of his mom, he turned around and he shouted with an innocent glee, look mommy, it's Jesus, it's baby Jesus, and he's in the manger. With obvious indifference to his joy and excitement of seeing Jesus in the manger, she impatiently jerked his little hand away and she said, We don't have time for that. Isn't that the picture of where we find ourselves quite often? With all of the busyness and the hurry and the scurry, the crowdedness of Christmas. We find ourselves much like that mom that day, so busy that we just don't have time for that. There's no room in the end. In other words, Jesus, other things are consuming the residence set up for you. See, from the very beginning of time, people have failed to make room for Jesus. 
I challenge you as we are in the midst of this most wonderful time of the year, as we are in the midst of this Christmas season, I want to challenge you this morning to begin to look at the guest list of your life. Have you made room for Jesus in the end? Are you making room for Jesus in your life? Or have you found yourself much like this family member, this friend, this innkeeper, and you begin to simply exclaim, there's no room in my life. Is there room for Jesus in your personal life today? Is there room for Jesus in your family life today? How about your, your conversations in your Christmas celebrations, have you, have you made room for Jesus? You see, I would venture to say by this point in time, the majority of you have already decorated your house. You've decked the halls with boughs of holly. You have gotten out Frosty the Snowman. You've gotten out that favorite nativity scene. and You've got the tree all set up. Everything is absolutely beautiful. It's, it's decorated with all the family favorites. But, but I'm here to tell you today, unless you make room for Jesus this Christmas season, your Christmas will in fact be incomplete. Most of you have already completed the majority of your Christmas shopping. You've spent hours of online search trying to find that, that best deal. You've fought the crowds and the hustle and bustle in the department stores looking for that absolutely perfect gift but unless you make room for Jesus this Christmas season your Christmas will be incomplete some of you have already attended more Christmas party than any one person needs to attend you've already traded that 10 to 12 dollar gift oftentimes three and four times the same gifts anybody in the house ever guilty of re-gifting that Ten to twelve dollar gifts. Yeah, you just don't want to raise your hand. We've gone to all these Christmas parties, but unless you make room for Jesus, this Christmas season will in fact be incomplete. Some of you have made plans to make those favorite Christmas cookies and bring them to your pastor. Some of you, by the way, I had a Christmas party last night and they had ice cream and all the toppings and I was good. I got one scoop and my daughter looks at me and she says, dad, that does not fit on your diet. <laughs> Pray for her. She needs to make room for Jesus this Christmas. No, let's move on. You've got plans to make all those family Christmas cookies and, and the hot cider and engage in your fa family Christmas traditions. But unless you make room for Jesus this Christmas season, it will in fact be incomplete. Now there's nothing wrong with decorating your house. There's nothing wrong with all the colorful lights and the fancy decorations. There's nothing wrong with buying and receiving of gifts and singing the Christmas carols and going to all the Christmas parties or even your family traditions. There's nothing wrong with any of this, but unless you make room for Jesus, your Christmas will be incomplete. 
There's no room for Jesus in the end. That's the conversation that I want to process this morning. You see, my concern, though, is not just making room for Jesus in the four weeks of preparation, the 24 hours of Christmas celebration. My, my concern is not that you simply make room in that short amount of time. My concern and what I would encourage you to do today is really make room for Jesus in your life. You're here this morning and you say, well, pastor, I'm a Christian, but if you would really look at the guest list of the end, you haven't made room for Jesus. Now, you would hope that if Jesus were to come to town and he was looking for a place to stay, you would hope that in that moment, in the chaos and the craziness of all that was going around, that you would welcome him in. But in actuality, your schedule is pretty full. Your, your calendar is simply jam-packed. The idea of housing another guest seems a, a bit overwhelming. And I wonder, are we making room for Jesus in our lives. What would that missing Christmas conversation look like if it happened to you? The knock at the door. Is there room in, in your inn? Is there room in, in your life? Would you, are you, could you open up your life to Jesus Today and this Christmas season and for days, weeks, months, years, eternity to come. This morning, what I want to look at is three insights regarding no room. Three things that I see occurring in this conversation that we really don't hear, but we see the results thereof. Insight number one is this. Making room for Jesus may just be inconvenience. Right? That very first Christmas, simply housing Mary and Joseph would have been a major inconvenience. Everyone was in town. Everybody was stopping by. The little town of Bethlehem was jam-packed with people who had returned for the registry. In fact, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, or some translations say taxed. Verse 3 goes on to say, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. There was a, a lot of hustle and bustle. Look at your neighbor and say, it was a bit crazy. There was a lot of hustle and bustle in that sleepy little town of Bethlehem. People were absolutely everywhere. Every guest room in town seemed to be full. Every spare sleeping area was consumed. So Mary and Joseph found themselves sleeping with the animals. Some thoughts are that this was a cave where the animals were kept. Others believe it was a room in the front area of the house where family members would allow the animals to come in at night. Nevertheless, it was crazy accommodations for a young family to come in and have a child. You see, that very first Christmas, there were people that turned away Mary 
and Joseph and ultimately Jesus. There was no room for him. And I began to process this idea of no room. Who would turn away a, a pregnant woman? Let me just tell you guys, if you haven't figured this out, you don't tell a pregnant woman no. I remember when Angie was pregnant with Chandler, this is many, many years ago, and we lived in a small town, a sleepy little town of a little over 3,000 people. And at that point in time, we didn't have 24-hour um, convenience stores. You remember those days when things actually closed at a reasonable hour. And it was about 10.30 at night one night, and suddenly Angie goes, I need ramen noodles. <laughs> There's a problem, folks. We didn't have ramen noodles. And the local town and country store was closed. I began to intercede and pray and fast and allowed the Holy Spirit to intercede through me. And I was calling out to God. And suddenly I thought, Mom lives two blocks away. I called my mom. I need ramen noodles and I need them now. She says, I have one pack. Get over here quick. You don't tell a pregnant woman no. But something happened that night. Mary and Joseph are looking for a place to stay and suddenly the innkeeper, the family member, whoever it was, looked at them and said, there is no room. Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they somehow, some way, make accommodations? The Bible says the time had come that she should deliver. She should have this child while they were there. She was that pregnant. I began to process through this, and I found a few reasons. The first reason I believe there was no room for Jesus was simple ignorance. The innkeeper did not know that the baby that was going to be born was the Son of God. Would that have made a difference? I don't know. I don't know that it would. I doubt that it would because it had already been prophesied and we knew that was to come to pass. But the innkeeper just didn't have the knowledge. He was ignorant of the knowledge that this was the Son of the Most High God, that this was the Messiah. Mary knew. Joseph knew. The shepherds, they knew they were on their way. The wise men, they knew they were following a star. Elizabeth knew, and John the Baptist most certainly knew. He leaped in his mama's belly, but the innkeeper, he didn't know. Another reason was indifference. Can you imagine the innkeeper in the midst of the hustle and bustle and the, the chaos that was all around? He pushes this young couple off, and they are forced to stay with the animals. There was no real concern. It's no sweat off my back. You can stay with the animals. I'm, I'm just indifferent. I've got my bed. I'm good. There was no room for Jesus in the inn. Or perhaps the innkeeper was just too involved. And I think sometimes this is where we fall. We're just too involved, too busy, too much going on. The schedule is just Every square inch of lodging was consumed by somebody else. There was just no room for Jesus. But I believe it was no accident that all this happened. See, the prophet Isaiah, he'd already prophesied this in Isaiah 53. 
he or Jesus was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Have we found ourselves ignorant of his calling and his plan? Are we guilty of becoming indifferent to the things of God? Are we simply too involved and we, we miss out on what God has for us to do? Have we simply failed to make room for Jesus? John chapter 1, verse 11 says this, He, or Jesus, came to His own, and even they rejected Him. Are we guilty of rejecting Jesus? There's no room for you in the end. I've got too much going on. Let me be honest with you. It's not always convenient to make room for Jesus. Not everyone is going to understand your hospitality. Not everyone is going to accept your decisions. Truly making room for Jesus may cause moments of difficulty. Taking the time to remove distractions, taking the needed steps to get to know Him, looking for opportunities to grow, stepping out when He calls you to step out, embracing the challenge that He sets before you. It's not always convenient. I want to be completely honest with you regarding this walk with Christ. There are some struggles along the way. But it is insight that makes it worth it all. How many of you know that anything of value is worth taking the effort? Anything worth keeping is worth the effort. It's worth some dedication. It's worth the hard work. It may not be convenient, but it's worth it. Yes? And here's a second insight. Making room for Jesus is ultimately for our benefits. Jesus wasn't sitting in heaven one day, and, and him and, and God were talking, and, they're ta- and Jesus is like, I'm bored. There's nothing new to watch on Netflix. I've played all the games I can play. No. Jesus wasn't looking for something to do. Him coming to earth, Jesus came because you needed him to come. Jesus came to earth because I needed him to come. You may not even realize it today. Maybe you're watching online and you have no relationship with Jesus at all. You don't realize you need him, but guess what? He came for you. Look at four reasons why he came. Number one, Jesus came to show us what God is truly like. Colossians chapter 1, Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. Christ, Jesus, is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all, and in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth. 
Now, there are a lot of crazy ideas of what God is like. You don't believe me? Go to the World Wide Web, www, and just search for who is God. You're going to find all sorts of ideas of what God is like. By the way, if you really want to know what God is like, the original Google. A lot of people create ideas and thoughts of what God truly is. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I came to show you what God is really like. If you want to know who the Father is, look at me. He said, the Father and I are one. Jesus came to tell us the most important things that we need to know about God. For example, the world doesn't teach us that God is loving. That's why we need Jesus. Society doesn't teach us that God is forgiving. That's why we need Jesus. Those around you don't teach you that God has a plan for your life. That's why we need Jesus. You weren't created by accidents. You have a purpose and a plan for your life. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew you while you were in your mama's belly. He's got a purpose for you. That's why you need Jesus. The second reason Jesus came is this. Jesus came to show us how to really live i find this interesting jesus now let me help you understand here he came god in the flesh so he's fully god and fully man he could have come to this earth and embraced his godship he could have embraced his divinity divine nature as as the godhead But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in the human form. Jesus came to show us what real living is all about. That we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. That we are to learn to look for opportunities to think of others as more, more important than we do ourselves. To forgive as our Father has forgiven us. What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Ultimately, he came to give us a reason for living. He says, I've come to give you life. I've come to teach you the kind of life to live. I've come to give you direction. You see, until you make room for your creator, until you make room for Jesus, you're not really living. You're just existing. The third reason Jesus came was this, to show us that we can trust God. Some of you are here today and you say, Pastor, I I really struggle with trusting God. Can I help you understand real quick why? You haven't made room for him. You haven't really gotten to know him. You see, the more you get to know God, the more that you realize you can trust him. I don't just automatically walk into a department store and trust everyone around. Right? But I trust my wife. I trust my son. I trust my daughter. 
Why? Because we know one another. We spend time with one another. Likewise, you spend time with Jesus. You get to know him. You make room for him inside of your life. You're going to realize, I can depend upon him. I can trust in him. The Bible says he will never fail us. He will never leave us. He will never abandon us. He will never, ever, ever forsake you. I challenge you, would you make room for Jesus today and, and just see what happens? Reason number four, Jesus came to forgive everything that you've ever done wrong. Uh, let me say that again because that should have made you excited. Jesus came to forgive everything that you've ever done wrong. No matter how large, no matter how small, you may say it's totally insignificant. It may be overwhelming you and you're ready to give up. Wherever it falls on that scale, Jesus came to forgive you. And by the way, no matter if it's large or small, it's still sin. And sin still separates us from the Father. And because of that sin, there is no way that we can make it to eternity on our own with Him. The wages of sin, no matter how large or how small, is death, separation, forever and ever and ever from God. Jesus came not for his benefits, but Jesus came for our benefits. To forgive us of all the things, everything that you've ever done wrong. 1 John chapter 3. And we know that Jesus came to take away our sins. There's no sin in him. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he cleanses us of every single wrong. That's why Jesus came. But look at this. We read part of this scripture a moment ago. John 1, 11. He, Jesus, came to his own people and even they rejected him. We read that a moment ago, right? But here's where the good news sets in. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's good news. Those that embrace Him, those that accept Him, those that when He knocks at the door of your life, you open that door. You say, Lord, there's room in my life for You. But are we guilty? Just knocking on the door. We hide behind the couch. Pretend you're not here. Don't let him see you. We're just busy. We're indifferent. Maybe we haven't taken the time to really know him, so we're ignorant. But he stands at your door. He came to his own people, and they rejected him but to every one that receives him 
to everyone that accepts him. He gives the right to become. He, he grafts us in to his family. Yeah, I, I saw a video the other day of a couple of people that had a foster child. They'd had this foster child for some time and they, they gave that child a gift. And maybe you saw the video, the child opened up the gift and it was the adoption papers. And you saw a joy suddenly well up in this child. They had been tossed from this home to, to that home. There was never really any stability. There's no one that's really accepted them into the family until that moment. And I think that's, that's how it is with Jesus. He's ready to hand you the gift. You open that up and it's, it's the adoption paper. And he says, would you make room in your life for me? Would you open up the doors of your life? Would you allow me to come in? It's not always going to be convenience. But this is for your benefits. Jesus came to forgive you of all the wrong that you've ever done. He's, he, he's come to, to form and build this relationship with you today. It's grace. We don't deserve it, yet He willfully gives it. That's a reason to make room. You see, we have the manger scene at, at Christmas time, we have the nativity scenes. But Jesus didn't stay in that manger. He didn't stay in a crib, but he went to the cross for every one of us. Why would he do that? Why would God choose to come to this imperfect world with people that, that he knew would reject him? Why would he choose to, to go through what he went through? It wasn't for his benefits. But he did that because he loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross. The third thing that I want you to look at this morning is this. Yes, making room for Jesus is not always convenient. Making room for Jesus is, is for your benefit. And the third thing is making room for Jesus brings about a celebration. I began to read through the Christmas story, and I've read through it several times over the last few weeks. And, and what I discovered is this. Every time a person opened up their life to Jesus... Every time they made room for Jesus, a great celebration set in. The shepherds, we're going to talk a little bit more about them next week, but these ragtag guys are on the hillside and, and suddenly the angels come and they begin to, 
to share with the shepherds. Those guys, man, they run. The Bible says with haste, they hurried to find the baby. The wise men took them a little longer. You think wise guys could have gotten there faster, but they two years for them to get there. And they find Jesus. And the Bible says they worshipped him there. There was a celebration. The angels, they broke out in the first singing Christmas tree ever. Some of you remember singing Christmas trees? All of heaven erupted in a celebration. Mary and Joseph, the Bible says that that Mary cherished these moments in her life. She thought about them often. And I believe that as as she thought about that time of of sitting there with the newborn baby in, in the manger, that every time she had that remembrance come to mind, she celebrated. But what about us? What impact does that make on our lives today? For us, real joy is given. Maybe you're here and you don't have joy in your life. I want you to know because of Jesus, you can have real joy. The Bible says this, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring joy to all people. It wasn't just for a few individual people in that moment, in that day, in that small little town. But good news of great joy. For all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus wants to give you real joy. Maybe you're struggling. You put on the mask when you come in here, but really on the inside there's no joy. I want you to know today that Jesus offers you real joy. For us, hope is offered. Romans 15, may God, the source of hope, if you need something, go to the source. God is the source. Fill you, may the God, uh, my God, the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace through your faith in Him. Then you will what? Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You begin to trust in God. You make room for Jesus. Suddenly, He comes in and you will overflow with hope. I challenge you this Christmas. Are you making room for Jesus? Or have you just found yourself going through the routine? Checking off the to-do list. Got to make 7,000 cookies. Five gallons of apple cider. I've got to buy gifts for everybody. I've got to schedule this party and that party. Are Are you just marking off the list? Or are you truly making room for Jesus?